I've seen 919 twice again already this morning, once on the clock when I walked into the kitchen and once when I made a recording that ended in a certain amount of something 9 seconds, point one nine. So definitely still waiting to see what God's telling me to stay put on. Make that three times. I just want to get myself a napkin on the Dixie Pack and I see it's 919 centimeters squared. Three times before 1012, 919. Praise God. The warning. I'm on the little hill in the back of my neighborhood and I've been praying the whole way up and I just wanted to capture this moment where this idea came into my head about Dr. Tony Evans said that it is entirely possible to feel faithless and to be full of faith and to feel full of faith and to be faithless. And I was just thinking about Laura and I'm asking the Father and I'm like, God, it seems impossible. It seems that nothing new has happened. It seems that it's just me still waiting for the hopeless, that there's no nothing that's going to actually happen. And I've just been begging the Father to just now, just to Him to strengthen me. And I wanted to capture this moment where there are times when my faith has been so strong, I'm so content, and, and, and it's not that it's not now. I don't at all mean I've stopped believing or there's a crisis. Much different than what it used to be, God has given me this much stronger faith. But then there are these moments, and it seems that I know that it's the enemy whispering, I'm sure, trying to attack me, and I'm sure it's my own weakness and my own you know, human nature that's been waiting so long that says, really, do you still believe this? Are you still, I must think about Abraham and Sarah. Nothing's happened. Are you sure? Take matters into your own hands. And I think I have to be closer. Again, I've said this many times, but I'm obviously closer because there's more time that's passed. But, you know, faith is being sure of what you hope for. Address 11016 on this house I'm walking past. The only house on this entire street. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see, Hebrews 11.1. 1. And so <clears throat> I have got to just continue to push forward in spite of how you feel you keep the faith. You may not feel like it's... It, what, I think what I'm feeling is that the dream isn't as hot there anymore. It's like the visualizing of her being my wife. And I think because there's such a contentment that sometimes that contentment can almost lead you away from being filled with expectation for the attainment of the dream, the attainment of the promise. And so there's parts of me that have battled over, you know, do I, should I look at her picture? Should I, you know, f spend time just thinking about it? Uh, is that, would that be wrong? Is that me idolizing her? Is that me putting too much emphasis on the gift rather than the giver of the gift? And I'm content not to do that. But at the same time, I almost feel like if I don't do that some, that you got it. You have to keep your flame lit. I feel like one of the things I've learned is that you you need to do when you're waiting for a promise or enduring darkness. You've got to set your mind on the hope down the road. It's it's that Hebrews ten thirty five. I think it is. It says, "Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded." You need to persevere so that after you have done God's will, you will receive what has been promised. And I think that. That ultimately means Jesus coming back with the promise of salvation. But I also believe that's a shadow, that's also a principle that plays out even in the here and now. That if God has given you a promise, you have to persevere. I also want to note that 
I've worked very diligent today for a couple hours at Starbucks on um, and this morning on my project of um, putting the, cat, the scriptures into the categories for spiritual. Oh, don't tell me there's a dog that's going to come running up here. Um, but there, I've put all the teachings in a category for um, this, the 21, like 21, 22 steps to spiritual maturity that I've been working on. And when I went and got a uh, pumpkin loaf and something else, it was $3.22. Uh, that's the scripture. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I believe it's Luke 3.22. And I was just thankful for that. I was truly thankful for that. And, and feel like God was telling me, I'm proud of you. You're doing what I'm asking you to do. And then just a few minutes ago, I wanted to see what time it was. And it was 5.55. And, you know, I've got the court hearing coming up <clears throat> on Monday. Today's already Wednesday. So, Monday I have to be in court. And it's, I have no idea if I'm going to get a check between now and then and be able to walk into the court and say, Lord, look. I mean, Your Honor, I trusted the Lord. He provided. Case closed. Or if I'm going to have to stand there in humility before I'm sure several people and say, Your Honor... I'm in full-time ministry. I'm obeying the Lord. My kids have not missed a meal. They're in private school, and people's lives are being changed. I've recently written a book. I'm starting to have some income, and virtually every penny I get goes direct to child support. If this were meeting, you know, and and literally put it, I have no idea, but I'm going to trust God. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who just strengthens me, strengthens me, and sustains me. So... It just seems like, you know, everything could be impossible. I have no finances. There's little to no fruit. There hasn't been any book sales in a couple of, it seems like a, over a month, there hasn't been a book sale. And there's been one donation. My parents, thank God, are providing everything else. They've just agreed to pay my car insurance. I haven't asked for anything. A man gave me a $100 bill last week. But... I, uh, I want to end this recording, but I'm just, you got, I have to keep fighting the good fight. It all looks dark. And yet everything in me, even after two and a half, three years of waiting now, everything in me, the spirit of Christ in me says, keep enduring, keep going. You're almost there. And, uh, God has been telling me you're going to, you're going to go into the promised land. And I'm telling you, there is no side of the promised land from where I'm at. There's been nothing but giants. Giants of doubt, giants of finances, giants of circumstances, giants of parental alienation, giants of legal battles in court, giants of no no real super huge significant fruit, giants of no book sales after I spent all that time of writing the book, the giant of having to rewrite the book, the giant of having to memorize more scripture. I mean, there is tons of giants in the land that I'm battling, giants of days of darkness and giants of nightmares I mean you know it's there's been a lot and at giants of sinus issues and now the allergies where I'm just feeling like just I don't know how to explain it just like oh in my head while I'm sitting at Starbucks every day it's happening for a couple hours a day it zaps me of my strength so there it is I knew God was showing me that I was going to have to battle giants He's telling me you're going into the promised land, but if you read the book, there's battles to be fought on entering the promised land. It doesn't just flip a switch and you're there. 
So I'm fighting the good fight. I cannot wait to see how this all ends, and I'm depending upon the Lord. That's why I am now stopping this recording to pray. So I'm not feeling very well at all. I don't feel bad. I just don't feel uh, any energy. Today is the 19th of March, 2015, and I am suffering pretty good from my uh, allergies. And it's it's just really weird. It's like I don't feel sleepy. I just have no energy. And it's like you're in a fog and there's distance between you and the reality of everything. It's just the weirdest thing. And I'm trying to track this so that now I can see every year. Is it getting worse? Is it getting better? I would have to say I'm a little better this year because it seems I don't have a lot of the symptoms that that I have had in the past with the exception of this, like I feel kind of a little bit dizzy. Like sometimes I'll catch myself almost falling over a little bit. Um, if I, you know, move quick or tilt my head or something like that. And, um, so anyhow, I'm just doing the best I can and praying God give me the grace to be able to get work done. He just keeps telling me, memorize the word. And, um, I am still a little concerned. I've been seeing 919 like a lot. I mean, more than I think I've ever seen it. I um, saw it in the kitchen this morning. And uh, my email is still back on 944 messages. It's been that way for a couple, three or four days now. Which is all about be very careful to obey what I'm telling you. You know, pay attention to my words. And then... um, you know, I'm driving here and I see a car, 919 on the license plate. I take a picture in the lane next to me. I pull into the parking spot here at Starbucks, the car right next to me, 919 on the license plate. A different car, obviously. Um, listening to a great message by some man named Pastor Ron at Valley Fellowship, Valley Bible Fellowship on the radio. And he's talking about that sometimes we don't know uh, good or evil in our life. The trials, we don't know whether they're because of something we did or because of something God's allowing, but that if we just endure and we keep going through it, we'll eventually get there and find out how God can bring it for good. And he says, you know, people will come to him and say, I don't want this person to leave me. I can't live without them. They've cheated on me. They had an affair, but I got to have them. And, and then they'll come back years later and say, Pastor Ron, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. That person left me. Now I have this good wife. Boy, I just was filled up. That just that word, that one little word was so encouraging to me um, as I've been thinking about, you know, Laura and all that stuff. But uh, it's really amazing how much this physical ailment can affect your ability to have good faith, that it can cause um, doubts and, and make you just not feel good and be under attack. And I felt like I had some you know, some sexual desire. I was trying to lay down and take a nap and all of a sudden I started having these thoughts and the first thoughts are, oh, you ought to go take care of that. And I say, no, I'm willing to suffer in my body on behalf of Jesus and I'd rather suffer a few minutes now trusting God to take this this desire in my flesh away, helping me to manage the appetite than for me to suffer for the rest of the day feeling shame for impurity. And uh, which to me, it's impurity. I've already made messages about this in the past, but God is again faithful. Just within a few minutes, I mean 10, 15 minutes was all I had to endure. And it was gone. I hadn't thought about it. But God is faithful. He's so helping me. But man, I just do not feel good. I'm start, I see some bags under my eyes and my head just feels kind of just top heavy. It's just bizarre. And I think today's is 
probably the worst it's been so far, and I'm, I'm taking all my allergy medicine. But now I'm going to go drink some coffee and try to keep my work going and watch out for whatever it is God keeps warning me to not get ahead of him on. And I, I still am a little confused. I, I feel like I want to be able to do videos for people, put up videos, and I've even thought about, you know, should I put up some of my old videos? And for some reason, it's like God is just telling me, stay put. And I don't... So I'm like not wanting to do anything. I don't want to put any videos up. I just want to memorize the word and finish these projects I'm working on because I do not want to get ahead of God. One other thing I want to remember is this amazing analogy that Pastor Ron mentioned about when you get on an airplane, you have a predetermined destination. And the same thing is true in your walk with Christ. You are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ and he has a plan for your life. You surrender your will to his. It's the same way as surrendering your destination to the pilot. You get on you trust, you don't know how you're going to get there, how long, exactly what's going on, but you just know if you get on and be busy about checking your email, watching your movie, speaking to the people next to you, reading the Bible, whatever, you will eventually get to the destination. Rather than being one of those who looks out the window and says, nope, it's still clouds and blue sky for the last four hours. It's been cloud and blue sky. Nothing new is going to happen. I'm jumping out of the plane. He says, don't jump out of the plane. Keep going. And I think, man, what a what a brilliant analogy that is just brilliant so um anyhow i wanted to capture all that i just heard an incredible analogy uh by alistair Begg, i think is his name in regards to understanding the law versus grace which so many christians are so confused on this are we supposed to obey the ten commandments well, then how come I'm saved by faith and not of works? And people go back and forth and they don't understand that the, the basic premise that I want to capture here is the fact that the Bible makes it clear that what the law could not do, was powerless to do, which is to make men righteous, Christ did by dying in the flesh. Hence the reason Jesus says, Do not think I have come to destroy the law or abolish the law and the prophets. I tell you the truth, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until all is accomplished. And what Jesus is saying in his fulfillment is, a man could follow all the rules externally and still not be righteous. A man could follow all the rules and God still would look down and see they weren't righteous because they didn't have a new nature. They were externally following the rules. It's like a kid who follows his parents' rules, but he hates the parent. He does it in spite of the parents, not because of his love for the parents or because he has a new nature. Christ fulfilled the law by giving us a new nature. Now, the thing that Alistair Begg said that I had never thought of, which I thought was so wonderful, <clears throat> is that he's, he tells a story about a man who comes in who's a thief, a beggar, he sees in church, thou shalt not steal. He feels humiliated. He squanders down. But then he hears that Jesus Christ fulfilled all the law and accomplished all the righteousness. And he will give you his spirit and a new nature to enable you to obey the law. You can't do it apart from him, but, but God will enable you to do it. And <clears throat> he comes back the next week and he sees the same thou shalt not steal. But now he says the emphasis is on the shalt, not the not. Thou shalt not steal, meaning 
now, because you've become saved and because you've become born again and because the Spirit of Christ is in you and because you're abiding in Him, the Spirit of Christ empowers you fulfilling the requirements of the law. He enables you to actually do it. So now it's not thou shalt not steal, it's thou shalt not steal. In other words, you're enabled, you're empowered. What an amazing analogy that was. I love that. Okay, so this is a journal entry about dealing with temptation. It is uh, March 20th, 2015. It's 1242. And I want to document this, that I've just been sitting at the Starbucks at Airport Road. And, of course, I've been thinking about Laura quite a bit and feel like my spiritual lungs are burning in this marathon race of waiting now two and a half years and it seems like God has been uh, letting me know that you know the time is coming that the decree has been made and 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 uh, if I'm hearing God correctly that's what he's telling me and today I felt a pretty intense amount of temptation to look at um, attractive women coming in the Starbucks that I don't normally feel. I normally will just as if it's a man or a woman, I'll take a quick glance and I may say, oh, he's handsome in my mind, or I might say she's beautiful or whatever, just as a thought in your head. And and then, you know, you go right on. You don't think or what have you. And I just felt like I was keeping up looking for Laura. It's like I'm looking for Laura, but I just noticed I was distracted this morning meeting with my friend Matthew and then today, um, it, it, it was just an abnormal amount that I'm not normally used to experiencing. It would be very normal, I think, for most people, but this is not normal for me. And I feel like it uh, must be that the enemy knows I'm getting closer and closer. And so, you know, he's ramping up whatever he can do to get me to, to uh, not... You know, and I saw one lady sitting there, uh, she was an attractive woman, she came in and she looked right at me and we had that quick moment of eye contact and it has that funny little alert that goes off in your belly and, you know, uh, you know, I just, I felt it and then I, I put my heads down, my hand down and I, my head down and I prayed and I just said, Father, I need your help, Lord, I need your help. I said, you know, I feel like I'm being enticed and and I need your help. And I know I have self-control and I have to exercise it. But God, I'm asking you now before it's too late to help me. And do you know, it's almost just like the time that I was praying about that Egyptian looking lady that was coming after me, that uh, same thing happened. And ever since I prayed, not another single attractive woman walked in the Starbucks. And I was there for another hour and it went away. But, you know, that is very, very distracting. It's. I remember hearing one evangelist say to the father, Lord, I need a wife because this is distracting for me to go and preach and see attractive women in the audience and realize I don't have a wife. And I've said that to the father many times and I, I'm so looking forward to the day when Laura is a reality because there are times when you feel tempted and... You, you go you go between feeling like guilty, like why are you even casting another glance to the reality of you have absolutely no guarantee whatsoever, not even 
beyond a guarantee, you have no of the smallest amount of evidence that that woman's ever going to be in your life. The only thing I have is a promise from God, and there is no evidence. Hope for things unseen. There's nothing to be seen in my relationship with Laura that would indicate that she is ever going to be in my life, that I have any kind of a chance with her whatsoever, and it's been two and a half years. Anybody that had a decent amount of common sense would say to me, you're waiting for nothing. You, you're making a huge mistake. <clears throat> and yet, by God's mercy, he has... I mean, my, this one lady told my mom straight out. That it was a lady that I met who was interested in me, apparently. And I thought we were just friends. And, and to this point, we still are just friends. But apparently, she, I introduced her to my mom so that my mom and her could maybe be friends. And she said to my mom, she goes, I wouldn't care if a man didn't have any money. And my mom knew that she was talking about me because of me being, you know, ministry guy. And, uh... You know, there's been so many times when I have to, that I could just say the, the, the tempting of, what are you, some kind of an idiot? I haven't felt that way in a long time about Laura, but I'm just saying there have been those times, I mean, goodness gracious, how much I've had to fight through for two and a half years to believe God on nothing other than the fact that he has said to me, through providence, that she is the one that he's chosen for me and that she will be the wife of noble character that he's planning on giving me. And I'm, I'm just hoping and praying that it's sooner rather than later. And I'm feeling the pressure because I'm trying desperately to do this work and the work just seems to never end. I'm building the biggest boat like no I've ever built in my life. It's taken forever to memorize the teachings of Christ. It's taken forever to now do the other teachings and I'm just constantly memorizing, constantly working and there's no book sales, there's no income. I have court on Monday. I mean, there are giants in the land and it's not easy. So bottom line, I was like, I got to get out of there. I'm not feeling good the last two weeks because of my sinuses and I don't have a lot of energy. So that makes it even worse. I mean, it's totally overcast, dreary, nasty outside, you know, and then you see people coming in, little lovey-dovey couples. And then the thing that made it even worse is I thought about my old best friend, Corvin, and I wondered what had happened to him, what he was doing, and I just searched him up, found it on Facebook, and looked through, and there's all these pictures of him, and he's got this um, cute wife and cute child from previous marriage, apparently, and they just look like they're the happiest little family, and he says on there, I love Jesus, I love the Bible, I love this, and I think to myself, you know, here's a guy who... I just adored and who hates me basically and all because we had a breakup in our relationship and I confronted him about pornography and then ousted him as my business partner and then ended up owing him I think to this day I still probably owe him technically according to what I agreed to pay $800 in spite of the fact that he was getting 50% of all the money we brought in for only 20% of the work. I was doing 80%, maybe 90% of the work. But nevertheless, it caused a total division 
I've never been able to pay him back more than an extra couple hundred bucks. I've, I still owe him probably eight hundred dollars three and a half years later. And instead of him looking at my situation and realizing I lost everything and was in just completely lost everything, tens of thousands of dollars, my whole business, all of that, my family, everything. Then he stayed mad at me. And so anyhow, I, I look at that, the condition of his heart, and then I see that he's, you know, having this great marriage. And it's just like a slap in the face. I thought, here I am. You know, it's I had that one moment with that tiny little moment. Not bad at all. I mean, used to be, it would be bad. But it was just the awareness of you are hunkering down. You are obeying to the best of your ability. You're fighting the good fight, seeking holiness, doing without, resisting temptation, and then you're still suffering. Nothing, nothing really good is broken for you. It's a, I swear, it's just like the enemy just tries to spit in your face. And yet this morning I just read that scripture that we will not, it's in Isaiah that um, you basically give your face to the person who slaps you and allow them to pull your beard out and so forth and so on. But because the sovereign Lord is your help, you will not be disgraced. So I'm just trusting. I'm going to continue to trust. The moments of darkness come and in your weakness, you have to yield to Jesus. And I just prayed, and I'm going to go see my mom here for a little bit, and I'm going to go get right back in the Word because I'm in a spiritual battle, and I'm not going to just relax. I'm not going to just go pretend like nothing, that it's going to get better. I'm going to fight it by getting in the Word of God, claiming the promises of God. And I think I'm just going to take a little bit of a break, maybe watch some some nature videos or something like that, and but just renew my mind in God's Word and just, again, profess God has declared that Laura will be my wife. I'm going to have unbelievable stories to tell her, unbelievable stories to tell her of how I waited for her and fought for her, resisted temptation for her, <laughs> and all of that stuff, and... I'm just going to be so, so blessed. So blessed. My uh, my widow lady, just my next door neighbor from my parents, just walked, she just walked by or just drove by and she was looking at me. She saw me. But anyhow. I feel like the most incredible thing has just happened. It's March 20th on 2015. And it's about 4.40 in the afternoon. I have been trying to take a little bit of a rest. And the whole time I had my eyes closed, I was just in prayer. I have to be in court on Monday. And circumstantially, my situation is helpless. I owe, because of my obedience to the Lord to not work outside of ministry and to not ask men for money but to only depend upon the Lord. I am now at least $25,000 behind in child support. I have not seen my children in two years. One time I missed the summer vacation because I was not able to afford to go get the children. And this last summer and Christmas... I was denied by my ex-wife from being able to see them. And I have to appear in court on Monday. And 
I've just been praying and trusting that God is going to take care of me on this, that I have obeyed. And God has just given me such wonderful confirmation in the last 30 minutes and such unbelievable peace. I found myself laying here just with a smile on my face. My circumstances should be that I should be extremely worried and and I could be in big trouble. But because I have obeyed the Lord, I do not need to worry. I can trust Him that He will take care of me. And I have had just evidence after evidence that God is with me and that He will deliver me. And a few minutes ago, I was sitting here and I picked up this book, Abide in Christ, and was going to pray, and I felt like looking for a word, and I thought, you know, maybe the Lord will encourage me in this book, and my eyes went right to this. These words are circled on page 24 in the book, Abide in Christ, with a star next to it from maybe a year and a half ago when I last read this book. It is mine to obey. It is His to provide. And... I just was so, I just sat there and stunned and looked at that and said, my goodness, is that not exactly what I have reckoned in my mind as I have sought the Lord in prayer and saying, Father, I am in this situation because I have obeyed you. And I I started seeing myself every once in a while trying to defend myself in front of the judge on Monday when I recognized that it is God who placed me in this situation. I need only tell the story of what God has called me to do. And God will defend. It's God that got me in this. And God will get me out. And then I saw this number 424 on the clock. And it was like God just showed me that was a word. And I thought man is that a is that a word. A scripture that I've already found. And it wasn't. And so I started looking. And I went through all the scriptures. I came to Joshua chapter 4, verse 24. Incidentally, it is the last verse on the fourth chapter. And if you back up one verse, it says, well, actually, if you back up just one more verse to the 21st verse, it says, He said to the Israelites, Joshua speaking, In the future, when your descendants... Ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he did to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. Here's verse 24. He did this so that all the peoples on the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. And it was like the Holy Spirit just illuminated the meaning of this in my heart. 
and reminded me of in my video I'm saying it was like Moses and the parting of the Red Sea in that court. I just walked right across on dry land. I said those words. They are in my story video, the very story video that God uses today and yesterday and the day before to save people's lives, to encourage people and to bear much fruit. And here God in the last few months has been telling me you are about to enter into the good land. And what had to happen before they entered the good land? They not only had to cross the Red Sea, they had to cross the Jordan. And now here it is. My Red Sea was February 16th of 2012. My Jordan is March 23rd of 2015. I am going to see God dry up the ground. I have an impossible circumstance. $25,000 due in child support. There should be no reason for them to do anything except for to take away my driver's license or to maybe put me in jail. That's what the circumstances should be. But because I have obeyed the Lord, God is showing me that He, and He had been telling me for the longest time, what I am going to do in your life is going to cause many people to fear and put their trust in the Lord. He's been showing me 422, Deuteronomy 422, the last several days. You are about to enter and possess the good land. But you can't enter and possess the good land until you cross the Jordan. And my Jordan is on Monday. And God has so blessed me now to give me this word of encouragement to let me know that He's going to do this. So that people, and I've begged him, God, do something in my life so that people will know that you are God. People will see. You know, it's amazing to be crossed over on the Jordan or crossed over the Red Sea. That was, that was powerful. But then there were enemies and there were long periods of waiting and long times in the wilderness rolling around after even they did that. And now here, and now here, they crossed over the Jordan into the promised land. Praise be to God. I believe that God is going to do a miracle. God is going to do another miracle. And that's going to be even more powerful. Who would think that a man would not be in deep grave trouble facing a Goliath of $25,000 in child support due? Who will not know that God alone is the one who asked me to do this and to obey him and trust him? Who will not reckon that God himself set this whole situation up and made it intentional that I would be in this situation where I had no one again to save me but him and that I had this unbelievable Goliath that I would meet? Goliath was not there because God couldn't put him away before he ever showed up. Goliath was there so that David and all of Israel could be esteemed in the eyes of its enemies, and so that David could be built up in his faith, knowing that God was with him, preparing him for his mission and his kingship. God could have easily done away with the Goliath. He could have easily made it to where Goliath never even existed on that field. But instead, God allowed it because he was going to use that adversary that seemingly impossible giant and adversary to show his overwhelming power in an unbelievable, overwhelming odds circumstance where David, the teenage boy, 
kills the giant. That is impossible. And that made all of Israel know how powerful God was, and they feared him as a result. And God is going to do the same thing now for me. I praise God. I praise God. I've been begging him. I have not felt this confident about the court until just now. I've not thought of anything more than, well, it's just a a thing I have to go through and endure. And God is now telling me that this is my Jordan and he is going to part it and I will walk across. Oh, and how I praise God. I have no idea. Today's Friday. That leaves Saturday and Sunday. I have no idea how he's going to do it. But I'm going to walk in eagerly expecting. And I'll have to remember that God did it in the very last minute. The Egyptians were hot on the tail of the Israelites, and in the last minute he parted the Red Sea. Now the Jordan didn't happen that same way, but I'm going to trust and believe God to do something amazing. Praise be to God. I want to capture this journal entry, and the subject of the journal entry would be those times when no matter what you try to do, And no matter how hard you try to do it, the feeling of faith and the feeling of kind of all is well still evades you. So I'm having some physical issues here in the last couple of weeks, in particular the last couple of days. It's been worse. I had a break yesterday because it had been raining for two days, but I'm now struggling pretty good in my sinuses I'm actually in the woods which is not the best place when you have sinus issues but it's the sacrifice I make in order to spend time with my father but I'm I'm getting a pretty serious headache and I'm not having good energy and um, I woke up this morning in a little bit of a spiritually grouchy mood and the reason is, is I didn't wake up, but I, I woke up very tired. And then <clears throat> I listened to a Charles Stanley message. And I got frustrated because I heard him again pronounce, you can't lose your salvation. You know, you're sealed. What love can, what can separate you from the love of God? And I thought, my goodness, he's quoting Paul, the same man who says, if you, this gospel you are saved by, if you hold firmly to the word which you received in the beginning, otherwise you have believed in vain. Some might say, well that means if they don't hold to it, they're not a real Christian, and if they do, they are. Regardless, Paul said it, and he warned about it for a reason. And he said many other things. I don't claim to have taken hold of it yet. But forgetting what is behind, I press on to the prize which Christ Jesus called me to. He's talking about glorification in eternity. And I just got frustrated because I, I sat before the Lord and I said, God, I know that, yes, you can keep me forever if I participate. And people want to say it has nothing to do with you. and That is just not true. And I got angry because there's so many places in Scripture... I mean, for crying out loud, the most relevant, newest, updated, contemporary words we have from the Lord are the ones that come by the Spirit from the resurrected Lord in the book of Revelation. And if you read those and tell me you don't think you have a part to play, and you don't have things you have to do, then you're not reading the same Bible I am. 
Because throughout the second and the third chapter of Revelation, that's all Jesus talks about is doing. Either what they have been doing that's good, what they have been doing that's bad, or what they're not doing enough of that they need to do. And he says things like this. Only hold on to what you have until I come so that no one can take your crown. He's saying, you have a part to play. That flies in the face of this idea that Paul says, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can take away. That The words of Christ completely contradict that. He's saying, you have a part to play. You have to hold on to this so that no one will take it from you. Well, if Paul says, well, if nobody can ever take it from you, then why would Jesus warn, hold on to it so nobody takes it from you? And it makes me so frustrated that people, even good men like Charles Stanley, who I know have to be under a tremendous doctrinal, denominational influence in this. <clears throat> because there are far too many scriptures that say, we have a responsibility. Even Paul himself says, I have fought the fight, I have kept the faith, I have finished the race. Train yourself to be godly. And, you know, my first argument to a person who says, Oh, Jesus does it all. Jesus paid it all. Jesus is all. I just abide in His grace. I'm covered in His grace and He does it all. And I don't have to strive for anything. My first thought would be, When's the last time Jesus Christ came into your room, picked you up out of bed in His arms, carried you into your favorite reading chair, sat you down, covered up your feet, prepared some coffee for you, opened up your Bible, put it in your lap, and turned you right to the place that he wanted you to learn at. When's the last time he did any of those things? He hasn't even begun to start work yet. In other words, those are things you, you have a part that you have to play in this whole thing. And so, at the same time, having said all of that, yes, I am kept by the grace of Jesus Christ. Yes, I am empowered by the Spirit of Christ, beyond what I could ever even imagine. So there is this part that is my human responsibility, and then there's this part that is the divine sovereignty. And it's deeply mysterious, it's hard to find the line, it's for a reason, but I believe with all of my heart that God empowers those that show up. You have to, just like with faith of any kind, you have to be willing to get out of the boat. Jesus did not come over to the boat, pick up Peter's leg, throw it over the side of the boat, and help him by his hand to get out. He says, come. And only after he agreed to come, did God then give the grace and the power to enable him to do the humanly impossible thing of walking on water. So, there is this partnership between human responsibility and divine sovereignty. It is not all divine sovereignty and it is not all human responsibility. And what comes first, the chicken or the egg, it depends on, I think, who you ask and it, I think, more importantly, depends upon the situation. First of all, the first thing that comes is God's pursuing you through prevenient grace. He pursues you, you can't pursue Him. I totally believe that doctrine. But then you have to pursue Him back. And it becomes this, your sheep... He's the shepherd. Wherever he goes, you have to follow. Your responsibility is to keep your eyes on him. Your responsibility is to listen to him. 
Your responsibility is to obey him, to go and come as he wants. So we have a part to play. And if you get in trouble along the way and you trip up or something attacks you, yes, he'll come over and help you. But he wants you to learn how to follow him without having to have him. I, I could probably just go on and on and build on this. And I don't have the energy to even do this right now. But I, I started out having this frustration in my spirit about men, even like God bless him. I love Charles Stanley. That, but this whole thing of constantly telling people you can't lose your salvation is a lie. And at best, it makes people think that, well, I can just do whatever I want and live however I want. God's got me. I'm covered under grace. And that is just, that makes me so angry. And again, the balance of this is, <clears throat> I'm not a person who walks every day in fear of losing my salvation. I know that Jesus is able to keep me. But I do walk in a fear of the Lord. And I do walk in reverence for Him. And with a respect for my enemy as well. <clears throat> and I do think that I am not beyond falling away. I believe if the enemy wanted to and work on me hard enough, apart from the grace of Christ, I would fall e immediately and instantly. I'm too weak to do this on my own. I depend every day. I think to myself, I could barely do the Christian life in one day if I didn't get up every morning and read the Word. If I didn't dive into His Word, that's the only thing that makes me strong. I am so weak. I would be so tempted to focus on other things and to pursue my own pleasures, my own agendas at the very least. My own will, and I'd be that sheep who's off again astray. That's why I think God has had to use such a heavy-handed stick and literally break my leg. I think that's why I've been walking with a limp so far. I think my mine is a financial broken leg. <clears throat> I think that's why one of the reasons why God broke my finances so much was so that I could learn how to be totally humbled, totally dependent. I could no longer move. I heard Adrian Rogers talk about how sometimes a sheep would be so stubborn that the and he would put himself in danger so many times that the shepherd would actually reach out and break his leg with the staff. And then he would pick the sheep up and carry the sheep, fix the leg <clears throat> until the sheep got better. And then after the leg was repaired, healed, then that sheep would stay. He would be one of the closest sheep to the shepherd of all. He would stay right up next to the shepherd. So the breaking of the leg was intentional. It's almost exactly the same analogy of Jacob wrestling with God and God touched his hip socket and he walked to the limp the rest of his life as a reminder to stay close to the Lord. And I feel like I have that same, that same desire and that same... You know, I don't think of myself as being somebody who's beyond falling away. I just don't think that. There's just no way. Now, I think that I'm beyond somebody being able to take me out of God's hands. But I have to do my part. I guarantee you, if I stopped reading the Word of God for one week, my heart would begin to grow cold in ways. I, would be, I bet you I would turn that TV back on. I'd start watching TV. I'd probably start going out to, you know do things, read books or whatever that are not the best ones in the world for me to read and I'd start slowly slipping back into you know how I start a business again I bet it wouldn't take long at all so don't tell me you can't fall away if you don't do your part you are going to fall away, there is no doubt about it especially after God warns you over and over again you know I mean why does Paul talk about those who have shipwrecked their faith when, it were, when it's something that's not possible to do. So, 
anyhow, the the only other thing I wanted to add to this is I prayed a lot about Laura, and I had some sweet prayers for her, and uh, I'm just, I'm literally not feeling faithish, but I'm filled with faith. I'm not having those moments where I just, you know, filled with faith, I can see it and it's there. I'm having to rely a lot in these moments on what I know God has done in the past. Like I've got court on Monday. God has just told me yesterday that I'm going to walk across the Jordan on dry land. I don't have any idea what that means specifically, how that's actually going to happen, but I just trust God. And I think about what He's already done. I think about what He did when I crossed the Red Sea in court case number one, February 16th, 2012. As it relates to finances, I know that my God knows my needs. I've seen Him provide last minute, over and over, right on time exactly. And I and so I meditate on, right now I think, how awesome is that? I needed $96 to pay my car insurance or it was going to be canceled the next day. And I didn't tell anybody, not my parents, nobody. I trusted God. God moved upon somebody's heart and they sent me a $100 donation. That is incredible. The day before it's canceled. And after the money was taken out from credit card transaction fees, it was $96. $3 more than what I needed. And so I look at those things and I think about how when God gave me the dream about Laura and then I ran into her. I think about the time that I said, well, Lord, I'm going to ask you to let me see her within seven hours. And that's when I saw her after I had the dream. And I think about the time I was praying and I'm like, God, please don't let me be an idiot, Lord. Please, Father, I'm asking you to to give me a sign. I'm asking you to confirm, just like Gideon. I asked him for a sign. That's how I know that I know that I know. And again, Gideon knew from the sign, the fleece, that God would do this very thing that he was asking him to do. But he didn't know it through experience until he saw it with his own eyes. So I know now by faith. Soon I will know by experience. And again, the only thing that's keeping me sometimes going in these moments, like I haven't had dark moments in a couple of months, but with my physical body and head pounding like this with the sinuses, it it makes it hard. And obviously with a, a looming court case coming up on Monday for child support, and uh, I think of I think of the things that God has done. And I put my eyes on them. I think of like the two twelve that night. I was like, God, give me a sign on my knees, Lord. Don't let me believe for Laura if it's not true. I don't want to be some idiot who lives in the fantasy world. God, please confirm it. And while I'm on my knees, look at the size of the picture. I had been looking at the picture of her and the kids, praying over it. And I'm like, look at the size of the picture. How do I do that? I even tried to email it to myself on my phone and. It doesn't show you the image size. So I emailed it to Google, opened up Gmail on my computer, and there it was. The image of Laura and her kids, 212 kilobytes. If that's not amazing, what's even more amazing is oftentimes when I look at it, in fact, I think every time after the time I took the actual screenshot, 
it shows up as 213. Gosh, that's interesting. I've just now realized I've been seeing the number 213 for a while. I never made this connection back in the day, but I thought, isn't that amazing? God, for one moment, made that image to where when it was rounded up, came out to 212 kilobytes just so that I could see it. Every other time it shows 213 since I've looked at it. Incredible. And there again, 212, 213. I mean, again, I've never thought about that. He has given you the desires of your heart. He's not withheld the request of your lips. He has placed a crown of pure gold upon your head. And that is my Laura. And again, I'm in the woods all by myself. I live pretty much all by myself, doing my thing, working on God's stuff that He's asking me to work on, and memorizing all these teachings. And there are days when I get a little weary, the last couple of days where, God, I've been working so hard for you, God, I'm still not seeing anything, and then I immediately get right back into the Word, and I realize I'm under attack, I'm being a little weary, I need to run back and trust. And it becomes over and over about you just keep going. You just keep enduring. You don't quit. You don't give up. You don't stop. You don't wimp out. You don't grumble. You do whatever it takes to keep going, and you keep your eyes on what God has already promised. You don't all of a sudden, because circumstances get worse or because a little bit more time has passed than you think, you don't quit and go, oh, God's not coming through for me. I mean, that's the kind of stupidity that I used to have early, early on. And now what I've known and learned is you just keep your eyes on what God has already said. Don't become uh, like Abraham and Sarah did. We have, we have their lesson to learn from, not to duplicate where they say, well, God's not coming through for me. Abraham, it must be that you're supposed to sleep with Hagar. No. That's why I'm going to continue to wait. Uh, even making this recording, just getting it out of my head and in, out of my heart, it helps remind me, but I just don't ever want my kids to think that every single day was just perfect. Now, I'm going to tell you, for the most part, they are. That is just the truth. I'd be lying if I said anything different, that for the most part, 90 Five plus percent of the time now, I have such a strong love and filled with faithfulness and power in the Spirit that it's, it, it literally is effortless because you're abiding in Christ and He's giving you the energy to do the work He's calling you to do. He's enabling and honoring and strengthening the faith that you're giving Him to work with. He's giving you promises. He's allowing you to see fruit. He's allowing you to fly like an eagle over your problems. 95 plus percent of the time now, that's how my life works. But then there are these times where, particularly if I'm struggling physically, it's almost always now caused by if I'm having <clears throat> too tired in the morning, too tired at night, or I'm struggling physically from sinuses or something like that, bad headaches, then those are the moments when it seems that that can affect my spiritual light as well. Physical darkness has a tendency to help me struggle. You know, it hampers a little bit of my um, spiritual. So, anyhow, but the, but for the most part, you know, and, and so what you do is in those days you just you just keep going and you ask God, God, give me give me, give me the grace. I haven't had to ask the Lord for the grace to get me through a day in a long time, but God, I'll just say, Lord, refresh my spirit. Lord, I trust you, and I just reconfirm in the face of doubts in the face of thoughts. I reconfirm. What God has said. God has said to me that He has given me the desire of my heart. And God is either a liar or He's a truth teller. And the Bible says, 
let God be true and every man be a liar. So if God doesn't come through for me, it's because I'm a liar, not him. What it is, is it's a man fighting the good fight of faith. It isn't always pretty. It isn't always that a man stands on top of the rock with his dukes held high and his gloves still on saying, I am the champion, I am the tiger. No, sometimes a man is down and sometimes a man has to keep getting back up and a man gets hit and his nose gets bloody or he gets, you know, busted in the, in the, in the midriff, you know, area, uh, in the body and he takes blows, but he keeps going, you know? And so, God will vindicate me. God will validate that everything I've said, everything I've hoped for, everything He has said is true. Blessed be the name of the Lord.